Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from Open Store at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is a leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod. What's up guys today? You've got, we've got Oliver and Jake from Tabs Chocolate um, and they're joining us. So guys, why don't you kick us off? Tell us a little bit about Tabs uh, and what you guys are up to. So Tabs is an aphrodisiac uh, chocolate brand. It's meant for couples um, or just for partners. Uh, it's a supplement chocolate, splits in half, and each partner takes uh, takes a side, and then the magic happens. Yeah, to add on to that, the way I like to think about it is kind of like an edible for sex. Instead of having THC or weed or you know CBD in it, uh, we basically took the most popular and effective supplements and put that in a chocolate format. And it doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but I think what's really cool about it is that we're destigmatizing a super taboo industry. Because if you look at the current kind of supplement industry, it's very pharmaceutical. It comes in pill format, powder format, and by presenting it in a very kind of new, like unique way, where it's like kind of user-friendly almost, like everybody likes chocolate, I think we're able to capture you know, a younger audience, go after Generation Z, and ultimately make waves by branding it as you know, romantic and cool rather than you know, an old pillar powder for your grandfather. Yeah, and I think for the, for the audience listening, one, one interesting thing that we want to talk about, is, well, there's two things. One, that you guys are doing sex chocolate. So that's like a totally different thing. Um, in terms of the form and the function of the product you're delivering. But the other thing is for you guys who are listening, why don't you tell the audience what, um, you know, how old you guys are and uh, where you guys are at in your career? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so to give you a little bit of background, my name is Oliver. I'm 20 years old. I'm a sophomore studying business at the University of Michigan. Um, I got my first start in e-commerce when I was a freshman in high school. I saw the fidget spinner trend explode in my classroom and I was like, you know, I can make these, I can sell these. So somehow convinced my grandfather to give me like a $500 loan, bought a 3D printer, you know, got a rubber mallet and I went to work, you know, making these fidget spinners. Um, I started selling it to my boys uh, in, in class. Eventually I kind of, you know, created an army of sales representatives and every single, you know, dude in my high school had one of my fidget spinners. Um, and then eventually topped out the middle school and, and elementary school, moved to local mom and pop shops, like knocking down on doors, um, and eventually kind of really saturated, you know, that physical presence. And that's when I discovered the online world. I put these fidget spinners on eBay and Etsy in particular, and um, that's when everything really started kind of like taking off for me. Um, it was like magical getting my first sale, um, you know, waking up in the morning and seeing like one or two orders, and I became obsessed with that feeling. And um, I became obsessed with like really growth hacking my listing to the top of, you know, um, these pages. Um, so that was kind of like my segue into e-commerce. Um, from there, 
uh, I started my own little Instagram um, kind of management agency uh, where I was working for some local stores in town, running their Instagram accounts, trying to grow their followings. No one would give me the time of day. Uh, my first client was actually my barber. Uh, he gave me a free haircut in exchange, um, you know, once a month in exchange for me running his IG account. Uh, but more than that, he gave me the introductions to other business owners around town. Uh, he gave me a room to work out in the back of the shop. And, you know, before I knew it, like one client turned into three, which turned into five and seven, um, which was really cool. And we started to kind of grow the operation. But um, unfortunately, there was a high churn rate. And I think the reason why is because, you know, there were no metrics. We couldn't, like, prove what we were doing. We couldn't show, like, the impact we were having on these kinds of stores. And while we were certainly growing their audiences and their followers, uh, it was hard to really kind of show, like, the impact we were actually driving. And so, you know, while we were, I guess, quote, unquote, successful for a 15-year-old, you know, 16-year-old kid, um, I wanted to do something more. I wanted to do something powerful. And that's why I discovered kind of, like, you know, social media marketing. PPC advertising, because every single effort is trackable and measurable. Um, and so, you know, despite being, you know, a, a 15, 16 year old kid, the numbers don't lie. I can show exactly what I'm driving, you know, how many clicks, how many, um, you know, view contents, how many opt cards, initiate checkouts, purchases, the purchase value, you know, et cetera. And so I really started to kind of become obsessed with that world. Uh, that moved into like, this little social media marketing agency. I tried getting into drop shipping, failed. I was like drop shipping phone cases on Etsy. Uh, long story short, um, when I was a senior, um, I eventually uh, run this um, e-commerce store. Um, it's called um, Hipchip. It was started by my friend's mother, and um, she had a really amazing retail presence, but her online operation sucked. And so she brought me in to kind of spearhead that effort, um, you know, with just a little bit of work and, you know, redoing her website, adding emails, SMS, um, Facebook retargeting ads, Google ads, just doing, you know, some basic kind of flows. We scale, I scaled her really, really fast and really, really hard, uh, which was a really cool experience. Um, I ended up getting screwed over. Uh, that's, a, that's another story for another time. Uh, but that ended up segueing into um, running up influencer ads for this app, um, it was called It's Me. It recently uh, got a Series A funding, about 15.2 million from Alexis Ohanian. Uh, my buddy was one of like the first employees who was head of growth for the app, and they were paying this agency like, I believe it was like 20 to 40 thousand dollars a month to you know spearhead these TikTok collaborations. And so my buddy brought me on to replace the agency, you know, pay the hustler senior Oliver, um, you know, 3,500 dollars a month as opposed to 20 to 40k a month, and have him you know slave away. Um, running up, you know, these TikTok collabs. This was like the golden age of TikTok, you know, before like any other brands were on it, A. And B, since it was an app, we didn't have to send any goods to these influencers. So quite literally, you know, I could I could create a deal in the morning, have them send me the content, give them a revision and have them post the same day. And so it was, it was beautiful. It was, it was magical. Um, and I, I ended up assembling a team of virtual assistants um, that I outsourced from the Philippines to do like the list building, the cold outreach. And I would sit on my computer and sit on my phone and just kind of hit back all the incoming, you know, traffic, all the, all the incoming influencers, secure these deals and try to try to try to work with, you know, eight to 20 influencers every single day with the hopes that one micro influencer would pop off, hit the for you page and go hard. Um, and, you know, this was before like these influencers were, like, had any idea what to charge too, because they quite literally had never done a brand deal. So we were like working with people with millions of followers and paying them like a couple hundred bucks for a video. 
Um, we ended up like blowing up the app. Um, and eventually um, I got connected with Jake. Um, uh, Jake, do you want to kind of take over like your story and then like kind of like the rest, I guess, almost? Sure, just, oh, Blaine, you're, I think you're muted. So Jake, what is your relation uh, with Oliver? How'd you guys get to know each other and how'd you guys kick off working together? Uh, sure, yeah, so when I was a uh, junior in high school, I started this like drop shipping leggings company. Um, my, uh, we had a, a mutual friend who invested money in the leggings company, turned into white label, we shipped in-house. Um, a few months later, we hired Oliver for social media management and influencers and um, just all the stuff he's really good at with tabs and, and whatnot. Um, we eventually sell the company and we see this TikTok for the sex chocolate. We think we do a lot better. And then uh, we go into a year of R&D and uh, here we are now. You guys were basically, you guys had a bunch of experience in e-commerce, working with social, working with influencers, doing all this sort of things. And then for our listeners who might be listening, um, you know, were you, was this, was this trend on TikTok, like sex chocolate, was that a trend or like, what, what's the deal with it? Cause I'm sure not everyone is like totally clued in on, you know, why this is such a big thing and why you guys were able to identify this as an opportunity. Yeah. 100%. Um, so Jake ended up selling the leggings brand, uh, which was, by the way, like an incredible experience for like for all of us, because, you know, we, it was like it was it was our first time really building like a true brand. Um, and I just want to like be very upfront. I didn't have any equity. Um, Jake was my boss. I was working for a 17 year old kid. I was like 18. I was, I was a freshman in college. Um, but I mean, the kid's brilliant. Like he, he's a wizard. Um, and and I, I learned so much working with him. Um, but it was really, really cool kind of building the brand together. And it was kind of like our like, you know, dry run almost. So it was kind of like, you know, driving a bicycle with training wheels on because it was just like a lot lower stakes. And we, we made a lot of mistakes along the way, but we learned so much from it. So anyway, fast forward, Jake ends up selling, you know, light leggings. Um, I now like on winter break, I have a lot of free time on my hands and like, I'm like, I want to start my, my, my own company. I want to start my own store. And I see this interesting product and Jake's like, you know, th that's not it. Like you can do better, Oliver. Like you can do more than that. And that's when he sends me this TikTok um, that has like 14 million views, 2 million likes. I go to, I go to look at it and it's a sex chocolate uh, it's, and the brand is called Sext, S-E-X-T-Z. Um, I take a look at their website and it's like terrible. Just like absolutely god awful, like almost non-existent, right? Like I, I would, I would almost write it off to say like they weren't even selling online. They were carried in sex shops and brick and mortar stores. But you know, we 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 go to look to, to to look into it, and you know, they're not running a single Facebook ad. They're not on. They have no social media presence, no like like online footprint whatsoever. And the more we think about it, we're like, this is a really genius concept. Clearly, you know, it has viral potential because some random girl made a TikTok on it and, it, you know, it, it went crazy. Imagine we came in with our e-commerce backgrounds and really took this shit to the next level and, and, and really like went to blow it up. Um, and, you know, the more we talked, like the more enticing it became. Um, and, you know, it was January 1st, 2021. We we're like, let's try to get this ready by, by February. Let's try to get this ready, you know, for Valentine's Day. Like, boy, were, were we naive. Um, it ended up taking us about a year uh, to build up the supply chain, the designs, the website. You know, it's a, it's a very complex process. 
um, we're dealing with so many moving parts, like sourcing the different supplements, the chocolatier that's, you know, in the United States based out of Florida, a 3PL, the plastic wrapping that goes around the chocolate, the custom molds to make the chocolate. You know, there was formulation and development. Um, there's the custom boxes, the custom poly mailer that creates uh, an embryonic effect to make sure that the chocolate doesn't melt while in shipment. Like there were, it was such a bigger nut than what we thought, you know, initially we we're like, let's get, we'll be ready in a month. We'll be ready for Valentine's day. Um, but it was a super long journey and we kept on getting delayed too, like left and right. I didn't even feel like we we're ever going to launch quite honestly. Like Jake, what, what did you feel? Like, I honestly, like, it just felt like surreal. Like, I was just kind of like in this, you know, like system of building, building, building and just delay, delay, delay. And we were agonizing over every detail. Like, it didn't even ever feel real almost. Like, it felt like it was like some sort of like mock, like school project or like exercise to me. Yeah, what also just to intervene, you guys are in school. So you guys, the first businesses you guys have built are in high school. Now you guys are. Uh, Oliver, you said you're in your sophomore year at U UMich. Jake, what year are you? Okay, so what? What are, first question is, what are you guys doing in college? Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Um, my parents are very traditional. Um, you know, I come from a background. My sister is, you know, a junior at Yale, biomedical engineering, like doing a five-year master's in four years. My mom went to like Harvard Business School. Like my dad is came from Italy to the United States with nothing and he put himself through school. So like school means a lot and education means a lot in my family. Um, and, you know, I think I, be, I believe in the importance of education, too. Um, but right now there's just too high of an opportunity cost. So I'm like taking like very slow baby steps. Um, this semester I'm going part time. Next year, I'm taking a gap year and I'm kind of taking it one step at a time and seeing how things progress. Um, but with that being said, I, I kind of want to be like a college athlete where it's like, you know, goes to school for two years, goes to the league and then comes back and finishes their degree like 10 years from now with like no stress in the world. And like, you know, has the ability to like actually take the classes they want instead of like stressing out about like some like stupid, like, you know, calc class. Yeah, I just think when you guys have all, all the things that you're talking about, these are concepts the, that like founders that we bring on all the time, me and myself as a founder that we're dealing with uh, and in a full time capacity. So it just seems like, you know, being in school, taking classes that takes a big chunk of time in terms of like the amount of like, you know, classes that you have, responsibilities that you have, social activities that you have, and then to scale and grow a massive business at the same time. That just seems like lot on your plate so anyway all, all power to you guys for for doing it um but I mean, jake, anyway jake has an interesting story because jake isn't going part-time this semester so i mean the poor kid is like literally just working around the clock like jake you want to talk about that like his sleep yeah what's your schedule like, yeah what what is it jake yeah uh no i, I have an interesting sleep schedule um yeah it's, it's mostly just consists of like naps and stuff and like whenever i can get things done it's you know i'm just up for that but um yeah, yeah. Uh, next year, I'm I'm gonna end up sending my parents this podcast to listen to. So I guess it's good as a, a good a time of no. I mean, to say yeah. That. If you want to if if you want to send your your parents this podcast, uh, like I I went to Harvard. I graduated from Harvard. I this I'm on my second venture back company, and um, I'm not here to say that like there's a ton of value in school and learning. But I think what's really important is like curiosity and like you guys teaching yourselves, right? Like I. 
from our exchanges, what I know about you guys, you guys are cl clearly curious, constantly learning, constantly testing, iterating, et cetera. And I would just hate for you guys to, um, you know, like the opportunity cost of all the lessons that you guys are actually learning, testing products out in the real world are so, so much more. So I'm not going to say more valuable because like, I don't want to necessarily take a side here, but I just think that what you guys are doing is really impressive and really great. And those things are important for you guys to learn. And if you're going to college and you guys are like learning things in school, it's really important to do that. But make sure that you're like learning those things and applying those to the things that you are ultimately focusing on. Um, you don't want to run yourself in the ground, but um, just so you guys are being productive and and always open to learning things. Right. Um, but anyway, so let's jump back into kind of the topics that we were exploring. Um, about the business we're at with tabs, right? So you guys clearly have a background in e-commerce. Um, you guys are going through college, you're testing out a bunch of different products um, and you found a an idea that you see a TikTok trend around, you're like, wait a minute, there's a product here. It hasn't been branded and marketed the right way. We have the know-how and the expertise to like really turn this into something, right? And I think this part uh, is something that is recurrent in a lot of founders that we'll see in e-commerce, right? They're coming across a concept. They're saying, wait a minute, if I combine this category and this category, I open up this entire white space and no one else is doing it. And that's going to give me a foothold to get to the next step. And I can build a really big business around that. Right. Um, and so that's something that you guys have, have landed on. And I think that's a framework that a lot of other founders would be interested in hearing more about. So now that you guys have established that there is this opportunity there's a there's trend and signal around it in terms of um you know seeing that it pops off on TikTok. b you're like the existing infrastructure and the products they aren't being scaled up they aren't being branded well they're being sold in these like really sketchy places no one's running like analytics or ads or anything on top of it and now we have an idea that we want to go pursue and you guys take a year to go and launch this, right? So why don't you take me back to this year long journey of all those things and those considerations and those things that not only push your timeline back a little bit, but also, um, you know, what, what were the learnings in terms of developing a CPG product that if you could go back would uh, inform your decisions and things that you could make, make it through faster, that sort of thing. So, um, to Oliver's point earlier, we, we so we started in, in January of um, I believe 2021, and uh, we thought that we'd be able to get enough product out, like boxes, chocolate, everything, before February 14th, and like be fully ready in like a month and a half. Um, but uh, obviously, that wasn't the case. Um, I guess like if I could read, I don't know if I'd like redo anything. I, I feel like we kind of like we're good about planning. Like we we had a timeline we use like task management stuff like like trello helped like set a structure really anything where we could like you know kind of time different elements like for example um you know if boxes were shipping uh, or like product was shipping we should make the chocolate and you know then at a certain point we should make the website i guess the most challenging part was that a lot of the work came in like phases so like there was like one example one specific example i remember where it's like we were waiting forever for the chocolate molds and like before we could get the sizing on the molds um which took like two months um we like couldn't do anything else like we couldn't make the boxes like with the dimensions or we couldn't figure out the formula um based on like how big the chocolate was so that was a little frustrating just waiting and um i guess just just waiting for this one element to happen so that we can continue on 
Um, but um, I guess that's just like a reality of, uh, of like making a product. Um, so, yeah. No, 100%. It's going to go through iteration. It's going to take time to get um, on the block. So in terms of in terms of once you guys understand, the timeline becomes a little bit more clear, right? Talk to me a little bit about how you guys set up for your launch. Like what is the you know last month or two leading up to your product launch sort of look like? How are you guys getting ready to handle that? And what are the things that are top of mind for you guys going into that launch? Um, yeah, so... So going into like, like while we were getting ready. Um, yeah, I'm just saying like in the beginning, you guys, the timeline starting to take longer and longer than you may, you guys may have anticipated. But at a certain point, you're like, okay, like the lights are about to go on. We're about to go live and we have a launch coming up. So um, how did, how did you guys transition in that? And what were the, what were you guys thinking going into your launch and how are you planning to make sure it went off as successfully as possible? I was, I was very, very nervous for launch. I basically took every dollar that I've ever made um, and put it into tabs, which is not really like, you know, the best financial decision, um, you know, didn't run it by anybody. At the end of the day, it was my money. But, you know, had I had I got him, you know, advice from my dad, advice from an entrepreneur, advice from pretty much anybody, they would have probably told me, right, like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So I was a nervous wreck. More than the money that I put into tabs, um, I put my heart and soul, we both did, I can speak for both of us. You know, Jake and I have like micro analyzed every single detail. I can recall, you know, arguments we've had over the shade of gold we're using, you know, on the website where I'm talking like, like week long arguments over like, you know, difference of shades of gold, like, which sounds like absolutely ridiculous and, and we're all laughing, but like that just goes to exemplify like how freaking crazy we were like, oh, and we are like over this brand. Uh, so after, you know, having spent like a year building this up, we're not like, we're now, you know, nearing December, we launched December 20th and um, I'm very, very anxious. Um, we lined up about like 20 influencers and um jake's like dude like that's good i was like no no no. we need to line up more influencers we need more because like what happens if the first 20 doesn't hit and jake's like trust me we can always like do more like you don't understand like just because like we're launching there's no like first place it isn't a race like it's not like oh like there's some like big you know red carpet where you cut the ribbon like you don't like we just because just because that's our launch date that doesn't mean we have to sell out in a week two weeks a month whatever and i was just like very very emotional about the whole thing where i was like no, no no like we need to keep grinding so i was just working my ass off like every single day like you know reaching out to, to thousands of influencers via text message email um TikTok creator marketplace dms any possible way, other platforms, any possible way to kind of increase that deal flow. Um, I was on top of it and just running that 24 seven. Um, we were super, super selective with the influencers that we would work with. Um, and I, I basically, to me, it's all about value. I negotiate, 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 trying to get the lowest absolute price I could. Um, and at the end of the day, we had like a pretty good roster. I would say like 25 to 30. Um, we had one influencer post, um, not much happened. Jake, I remember like vividly like staring at, you know, the Shopify live screen. Like we were like, fuck, like we, we were really hoping that like it would take off. Obviously, you know, it doesn't take off on like the, on the first day. And a couple other influencers posted, like saw a spike, like $800 in sales, you know, $1,000 in sales, you know, in a day, which was, which was pretty cool. But we we're like, damn, like we got a lot of inventory. Like 
we, we, we've invested so much time, effort, energy, money. Um, and then I ended up going to on vacation. Um, it was like, you know, break from school. Um, and Jake, Jake's on vacation too. And like, while this company is everything to us, like I was hanging out with friends and I couldn't, you know, put all my effort into this. Um, which I don't necessarily regret actually either looking back in retrospect, but I remember like during that week we were doing like, you know, pennies, like $80 a day, $200 a day, $300 a day. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, we come back from vacation, we, we re-strategize and, um, Jake, we, we, we put this whole entire like organic system together. Do you want to touch upon that, Jake? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we pretty much like, uh, figured out that this product works on TikTok, and I, you know, something about the launch, right? Like, I don't think there's one way to do it, whether it's a soft launch or, or like a, a set launch date, but, um, someone said this, I, I forget who it was, but the launch date really only matters to like the founders. Like at the end of the day, I don't think it really, like no one else really, really cares. So, you know, when we started with these like three influencers, it was slow at first, but it showed like really promising signs, like from the beginning that it was, it was going to do well, like even based on like, uh, however many sales it was, uh, in the first day. So as far as the, uh, the organic content strategy, we, we pretty much like designed this brand to, to go viral. Like we, we, we wanted to find a product that was like, you know, like that we wouldn't really have to push or like market, um, especially on PPC, just because there's so many problems with that nowadays. But, um, we want something that would like naturally go viral. Um, so we got it to go viral on TikTok a little bit. And then we kind of pushed these other platforms short for video platforms, like, um, Instagram reels, we, we post we just tried all these things like YouTube shorts, Snapchat spotlight. I think we tried, uh, Facebook reels and that was actually, I think that was like our first like semi-viral video, um, Facebook reels of all things, not even like through Instagram. It was just like literally like directly on Facebook and who knew, um, who knew sex shop blow up there, but did you get, do you guys even like have Facebook? Like, is, is that like, yeah. only for ads, only for ads. But yeah, no. just for ads but like when you guys were growing up were you like like younger than the generation that like so you guys never even had facebook growing up yeah right? i had a facebook account but like i never i've never like checked it at all and, and by <laughs> the way to just to elaborate on what jake's saying when he, when he said like we were posting on facebook reels snapchat spotlight instagram reels you know pinterest um idea pins you know etc what he means is like what we would do is we would download the influencers TikTok in an HD file without the watermark, and then we would repurpose it on these other platforms. And it went bananas, uh, especially on Facebook Reels. It was just like absolutely insane. These reposts were actually outperforming the influencers. And by the way, we weren't posting on like seasoned accounts. We were posting off of accounts with zero followers, zero reach. Uh, but it was crazy. And I remember that was like the first day where we cracked 10K in sales. And then it just continued and continued and continued and continued. Uh, we end up selling out of, of all of our inventory, about 3,000 boxes, um, 90K in revenue in three and a half weeks after launch. Um, we moved to pre-orders. Um, and the momentum is just like our foot is still on the gas somehow. Um, long story short. So, the, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go for it. Keep going. Yeah, I was going to say, long story short, uh, we, we, we collaborate with this influencer, Masi Wolf. Uh, we paid her about $40 uh, and the video just takes off 6.6 .6 million views hits about $49,000. We missed the 50 K mark, but $49,000 in revenue that day. Uh, it was just 
insane. And by the way, keep in mind, this is on pre-orders. Our conversion rate was halved at this point. So, you know, theoretically, I think if we had inventory, that would have been a, a six-figure day for us, um, which is wild to me. Dude, that, um, that is, that, that's wild. And there's a couple things I want to break down. The first is, it seems like when, you, Oliver, when you were talking about going up to your launch, you were like, yeah, we, we planned this so well. We put together our influencer list. We DM them. We set up these contract or like these negotiations with them. And then when it actually came time to like launch through that channel, like it maybe underperformed, right? Like compared to what you thought it was going to do. And I think that's something that a lot of people have sort of seen. I think, uh, consumers in general are probably like less like, like, influencers are promoting so many different products right and if it's not really genuine and authentic and it's like more of a collaborative paid post people are kind of like almost desensitized to that so to some extent right so i guess um what do you think like why don't you break down for me what happened in terms of when those first influencers you were like meeting with what were you structuring your deals like what were they you know how many like views are were you getting but and I know you mentioned conversion being around like a couple hundred bucks here and there um, off those influencers, but like what what were the deals? Like how did you set them up to begin with and what did what did you think they were gonna do and what did they end up actually doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, by all means, every influencer video we did was actually a, like a great success. Like we had, you know, a higher ROAS of greater than what, like five or 10 Jake, even off the initial deals. So like, you know, by, by, by all means, like we were profitable, we were successful. We just had such crazy high realistic expectations. Jake, I remember Jake telling me that he thought we were gonna sell out on day one off our, our first influencer post, which looking back like is, you know, crazy. But like, you gotta understand, like we're coming from the mindset of like, look, we've had wins in the past. We've put all this energy money behind this. Like we're finally live, like this is gonna hit. There's no way this doesn't hit. Um, so, you know, the first couple of deals, like, it was it was still successful like we did good numbers we, we had a great return um in terms of like structuring and payment uh, i like to i always try to pay around a hundred dollars for a hundred thousand views which is a really really cheap like cpm when you break it down um but like that's always kind of been like my frame of reference where it's like if an influencer is getting you know three hundred thousand views on average per video i try to shoot for uh, a, a deal for about 300 bucks in terms of structuring the video in the way that I work with influencers is I hate ads. I, we don't make ads. We don't make um, like the UGC that you see. Like we make native organic content. So the way that I frame it is always like you have full creative control. You have full freedom on the content. Uh, we want to go viral just as much as you want to go viral because it's a win-win situation, right? You get more followers, clout, whatever. You're basically just getting paid to post a video that you would post anyway. And for us, we want the exposure. Obviously, we want the sales. So I, I kind of turn it from something that's like, you know, us against them. It's like this mutually beneficial deal. Um, and then once they send me a draft, um, that's when I start to really kind of critique it and engineer it to maximize its virality. Over the years, I've like really like honed my eye and like my instinct and sense in order to like figure out like, I don't think I can tell you like what's going to go viral, but like I think that there are certain principles and I have like this kind of like innate like natural skill now that's developed through experience and through as, as a consumer and as an advertiser of like, we need, we need a better hook here. We need a, a crazier ending here. It needs to be shorter. The sound needs to be different. And so I work with every single influencer that way. And, um, 
but I'll never give him the, I'll never pitch him the video idea. I'll never tell him what to do. I'll never give him a script. They, they, they kind of give me the initial like, you know, framework. And then I'm like the sculptor. Like they give me like the piece of clay. And then I'm the guy that's like, yo, like this needs to be different. Like this needs to be changed, you know, et cetera. Um, and it's worked really well for us. Got it. So, so what you're basically saying is you've got this product and you're like, you, you get in contact with the creator and you're like, yo, let's, we both want to go viral here. That's great for both of us. If this works out, how are you going to use our chocolate and create, like, what are your ideas? They're a creative, right? They know their audience. So let them, you know, take it, whether it's incorporating it into a challenge or a funny skit or whatever it is, like give them creative control. And once they deliver it to you, you're going to be thinking in terms of both a consumer as well as like someone who kind of understands the algorithms and being like yo maybe if you shave a couple seconds here or maybe if you you know use this title or whatever um sweet so just going off that what are some of the things in terms of like the algorithm in terms of like now that you've seen the tiktok side and the product side because everyone in d2c cpg etc they're all about like everyone's talking about like tiktok these days because like every ever since like Facebook started breaking down in terms of like the ad platform. Everyone's moving over to a TikTok ads and b trying to hit hit it on TikTok organic, right? So, in terms of the platform, like what do you see in those different platforms in terms of like reach, opportunity, and approach to um, you know going creating a lot of a, a lot of distribution through those platforms? Right. So the strategy that I'm spearheading and building out uh, extends far beyond influencers. Um, it's kind of like a two-pronged strategy. There's one, like organic content creation and two influencers, if I were to break it down. So one for organic content creation, I want to become a content machine. Oftentimes, I find myself like feeling like I'm running a media arm more so than an e-commerce brand. So I want to be producing like 10 to 100 pieces of t a content, TikToks, every single day. I want to download them without the watermark in an HD file and just blast them out to the world on every single vertical. So how do I create like that much content? I work with content creators, organic guys, influencers, anybody who wants to work with me, and I set them up on their own page. What I found is that TikTok um, rewards hyper-specific kind of niches where it's like when you have too many cooks in the kitchen, if you have like five creators on one page, you're actually doing yourself a disservice and you're shooting yourself in the foot. TikTok likes consistency. It likes consistency in terms of posting schedule and it likes consistency in terms of style, the way that you like shoot the video even, right? So we've created like a web of like subsidiary accounts and I'm now bringing on like, I would say eight to 12 different people that are each gonna be managing their own pages, um, growing, growing the pages, running them up, and then all driving and like funneling traffic to our one website. Um, and then what's cool is that I get to repurpose that content however I want, um, you know, blasting out on other organic platforms if I want to use it for ads, which we haven't touched yet. Um, but like that brings a lot of opportunity. The second prong becomes the influencers. I want to stop using influencers as a, on a transaction basis. It takes, a, it takes a lot of time and effort to close one influencer deal, like a lot in terms of, cold outreach, prospecting, talking to them, negotiating. It's a lot of energy and time and money. So if we can turn one influencer that we were gonna do one post with and then burn into you know, one influencer that we do two TikToks with, get them to refer all their friends, and then if they're good, actually bring them into the company and set them up on a reoccurring you know, deal flow where they're making two to five TikToks for us a month, 
posting like two to their personal page, two for our brand page, and two Instagram reels, two Instagram stories, two Snapchat stories. All of a sudden, we're starting to build like this content machine. And I think that's how we really win. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of like this kind of systems that we're starting to develop. Um, and instead of like just going over emails with influencers, like I actually sit down and have like FaceTimes with them or like Google Meets or Zooms, like face to face and like tell them how we want them to be a part of the brand and tell them like how like this goes beyond the transaction, like actually treat them like human beings, which, which is like undervalued in my opinion, like brands just want something from them and they just want something from brands. It's like, you know, two, two, two people on the opposite sides that are pit together where, you know, the influencer wants to make as much money from the post and the brand wants to, you know, spend as little money as they possibly can. I say, fuck that. I instead actually like, have a real dialogue and communication with the influencer and like try to bring them onto the team. I'll give them a commission. I'll pay them what they want, want to be paid. Like we're actually overpaying a lot of these guys. Like we're going to, we're going to be sending them swag and like hoodies and you know, like, we want them to feel loved and like have a connection to tab tabs that like extends far beyond like I'm doing one TikTok. Have a nice day. Yeah. And I think when, when you fall into that trap of like, oh, let's just do, let's spend all this time, create this one post, you do the post and then we go our separate ways. Then it doesn't, it, it, like you were saying, it's a ton of time, energy, onboarding, et cetera, for limited ROI compared to what it could be in terms of like bringing them into a fold as a, as like a partner uh, in a longer term sense, right? Absolutely. And you know, the other thing that I always do too, is that it's like, whenever I, I work with a, with a creator, I'm like, yo, if you have any friends in the space, we'd love to work with them too. Because let's say we're spending like $15 to acquire one influencer deal. If I can turn them into three influencer deals and get them instead of one post for three posts, all of a sudden that's like nine TikToks for $15 instead of one TikTok for $15 on my side. So that allows us to really scale as a company and really start to work with a lot of influencers and get that reach that we're trying to aim for. Um, no, a hundred percent. And w one of the other interesting things that like we've heard, cause we bring, we brought some creators on the platform. One podcast we, that just went live was we had uh, Colty on, he's like a TikToker, has like 10 million followers. And we we're just talking to him about brand duels. Right. Right. And one thing that he was talking about was the fact that he was like, yo, like, I need content too, like in my brands, like I would love to like work with these brands and I'm constantly coming up with all these crazy ideas because I'm trying to create these videos that are like super engaging. But like, if it's a brand just hitting me up and being like, yo, post my product, he's like, that's not interesting for me. But like, if like a brand can get behind and understand my content and be like, yo, Colty does all these sorts of challenges and we could place a product here and like, we'll hook him up and like, let him do this with our content. Then he's like, I'm all about that. Right. And I think that's what you guys are kind of saying in terms of your approach. It's not thinking about it in terms of like, oh, let's just think of this as like a distribution and impressions play. It's like, yo, it's like these creators, they need content. They need cool stuff to create content with cool ideas to explore, et cetera. And if you can help facilitate, empower them, bring them into the fold, they're going to be hyped about that. Right. Yeah, you know when, when, when you have a unique enough product, I feel like like when you really design a product for the purpose of going viral on TikTok, which is what we did, it like, it really you don't really have to be creative with with content. I mean, it, it it's it's good to have right just to diversify, you know, um, our portfolio of videos and stuff and our, our repost options. But I think like our really viral video and correct me if I'm wrong, Oliver. I believe it was like just a normal review video, right? And it was just like, I, I don't even think it said what the product was. It was 
it was just some like um it was just some like either joke or phrase or something and just showing the box and stuff and like when you really design a product for TikTok, I feel like that's like probably our biggest key here. Like when when you really like start from ground one, rather than just like, you know, me and Oliver both come from a dropshipping background where we had to identify a product that we think would do well in, on certain platforms. But, you know, when you, you when you start from the ground up and, and you start with this like really unique product, it, it it's it's a lot easier to market in the long run. Right. You don't have to force. You don't have to force things. You don't have to like, we're not like, we're not selling insurance where you have to create like, you know, the, the, the Geico, you know, and like have a lizard running around and come up with some crazy storyline. Like we, what what's crazy to me is that like almost every single influencer that we work with, they get more views on our brand deals than they do on their average piece of content. Like that is insane. And that's also like a value prop that I use as a bargaining tool whenever I'm negotiating with influencers. Like I tell them like, look, like we don't want your average, you know, rate that you give your average brand because we're anything but that. We give you full creative control and freedom and flexibility. And like, this is a hot product that's going to help you and bring you engagement too. So like, let's try to come up with something mutually beneficial instead of just like, you know, us trying to rip each other off. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it, too. It's like like you were saying, your product and the offering that you can give them, people are going to be kind of hooked because you guys thought about, yo, let's design a product for TikTok um, and this this type of audience. You've already got that part solved where if a creator shows the product, the viewer is going to be like, yo, wait, what's sex chocolate? Like, what is that? And they're probably going to watch the reel again, and which is going to like, which is just going to pump the algorithm more and yeah. do well for everyone right is that is that kind of it it's like the by nailing a concept that has like viral properties in nature to it it almost like lends itself directly into being able to give to the creator the creator can do it and it's like obviously it's going to work it was like designed this way right the win-win the win-win for everyone involved pretty much absolutely and it makes our jobs a hell of a lot easier you know as marketers because we're not trying to like you know force it we're not trying to like come up with some like crazy out of the box like creative idea like not nah, like literally just like flash our product in your video and like you will get more views and we will get sales it's it's pretty wild so what so what have been why don't you talk to me a little bit about some of the types of content that cr like creatives have um come up with right for your product so you've sent them the product you're like yo do your thing what have they come back to you guys with whole bunch of different kinds of content you know everything you could imagine like unboxing asmr skits pranks um you know just like reviews filming like the experience talking to the camera what it's like we even had a creator that was like drew like stick figures and like made some like video storyline of like these stick figures taking tabs she on average got a thousand views on all of her videos somehow that video got 60k views i don't even understand how like i literally don't understand how that got 60k views she put a part two up where it's literally just a video of our product page six seconds and that got 30k views so it's like okay i want to take credit like on the marketing side but at the same time like let's call a spade a spade here like this product is like prime for virality this product is like was designed and like organically created like for this and i think that's one of the biggest reasons why we're seeing so much success you know just to add to that it was it was so designed for TikTok that we literally can't run anywhere else like we're banned everywhere like <laughs> we can't run google ads we can't run facebook like we really can't not like we want to anyways yeah, but we can't, we can't yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in there. Yeah. we have to we have to bet on TikTok, and we have to do it well 
it's cool though because you know initially like in the e-commerce space everybody has like this framework where it's like you know you launch the product and you go hard on ppc right like you go hard on growth and you figure out like a winning strategy you find your customer segment we initially were trying to like we we would have gone that route but because of like how edgy our product was and the fact that we were getting suspended left on right on every single ad platform we had no choice but to focus on the fundamentals we had no choice but to go this organic route that we're going and it's been the biggest blessing in the world like the biggest blessing we spent about two thousand dollars in marketing in our first month and did about two hundred and eighty thousand dollars in revenue um, which is like wow. probably like one of the craziest ROAS is like I've ever heard of. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that what's so crazy about that is in the e-commerce world, everyone's thinking about marketing in a performant, in a performative sense, right? It's like, how much can I spend to generate this, whatever return? Right. And I come from a background of retention and customer experience and that sort of thing where like, I believe that like step one is like performance, get them in the door. And then you can, you know, create an amazing product that'll sell again, word of mouth, all these other ways to like grow organically. Organic growth is like, that's the, that's the holy grail of any service or, or product you're creating, right? Because if you can hit organic, then like you don't need to pay for every incremental thing. You've invested in organic and it's going to pay you back by growing organically, which is amazing. So I think that that cr that crutch is almost a blessing in disguise because had you guys been able to just go buy ads, get like a five or 10 X row ads, then you're going to just be like, oh, this is working. Let's just pump money into this. We'll grow at this rate and we're going to be selling these chocolates this way. But because you guys had your hands tied a little bit. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what that process was like in terms of like having your ads pulled and like being rejected from like being able to advertise on those platforms. But it clearly forced you guys into taking the full organic approach. And in some cases, organic can be even better than, you know, what you can be doing in paid when you, when you can hit it out of the park like you guys have. So what was it like um, in terms of like, getting your ads pulled and stuff like that like what are they saying to you does it just go against guidelines or what's the where's the where's the red line that you guys are crossing in in terms of that well we just got banned on instagram like like ads aside we our our main page at tabs got banned on instagram and i think tiktok like at tabs on tiktok is inches away from getting banned also so going back to like it, it all comes back to the product right um if the product goes viral and we don't really, it, it's not as necessary for us, then, then maybe it is for other brands to have like this, this built up page to sell this product and to reach these audiences because the product itself goes, goes viral. So what we've been doing is we've been making like new pages, right? So Oliver's been largely responsible for this, but he, as he said earlier, earlier, he has this network of, of TikTok accounts. And, you know, if one goes down, then we still have a lot more to, to choose from. And then we could always just make more. Uh, we can make another TikTok account. And since the the product is, is what has the like inherent value uh, and, and what actually goes viral, uh, it's not as important. I mean, it'd be nice to like not get banned like every other day, but <laughs> right. you know, what can you do? What can you do? Right. I like to think of us like, you know, like in the, uh, like the Greek mythology, where it's like you cut off the head and like three more heads pop out. Like that's, that's how I like to think of us and like position ourselves. You know, I think that these are all like, you know, 
problems that we're having because we're still so small as we get more press and get the verification and get the TikTok rep in our corner and the Instagram rep and we start having PPC accounts that are seasoned agency accounts rather than you know fresh accounts with zero dollars in spend like I genuinely believe like these problems will go away because at the end of the day like we're not doing anything illegal like we're not doing anything like unethical like unethical so like I think like this is just more of kind of like being like the new guy on the block and these algorithms shutting us down because they're just like sensing that, oh, this could be schemy. But um, again, I think it's all been a blessing in disguise. And eventually, like we will get into paid. Eventually, we will, you know, crack um, Facebook and, and Snapchat ads and Google ads. And um, it, our job is 100 times easier because we now have such amazing creatives. We know what works, what doesn't work. We've already built such a solid like foundation and framework that like, once that time comes, like we're going to take this thing to the moon. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening, um, if, if you guys can hook up uh, Oliver and Jake and tabs, you know, so we can get those accounts whitelisted and and stop being banned, that'd be that'd be dope. Um, but anyway, so um, I guess what's next for you guys? Like I know you said you sold out a lot of stuff. You guys are on back or you guys are producing a whole bunch more to meet demand. Like what's next in terms of your um on the operation side of the business, right? Like where are we at? Are you, do you guys, are you guys fulfilling orders again? Are you waiting for inventory to come in? Like, how are you guys thinking about things? So we, we were in, in the process of like three production rounds right now. So production round one was like 3000 units. That was just to validate. We sold out of that. We put a, once we sold out of that, we still had like the momentum going. Um, and we put our site on pre-order. We had 15,000 units. Uh, in production right now should be done within the next like few weeks or so. Um, and so far we sold, I think 9,000 out of the 15,000 units already on pre-order. So hopefully the fingers crossed the 6,000 remaining will, will go by fast. And then we just ordered 120,000 boxes, uh, 120,000 units, which, uh, will be shipped probably, um, summer. And, uh, what we plan on doing with that is we, we can't, we don't actually have the cash flow right now to make 120,000 completed units, but because the boxes are, you know, from China and, and that's what takes forever to get here and to produce. And also like the polymillers, we have these like thermal polymillers, um, which is also from China. We ordered a bunch of those, uh, I think 160,000 polymillers. And we pretty much spent like all of our money on that. And then as we make, more money and, and and get more cash flow from production round two, which is the 15,000 units, we'll be able to slowly, uh, or not slowly necessarily, but we'll be able to afford the chocolate and the remaining, you know, uh, other components to like make the finalized product. So it's pretty much just a better way to stay in stock, definitely more risky, but, you know, we're confident in the product and we think we could sell 120K. So um, we'll just, we'll just pretty much take it, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make product as orders come in and, and using this strategy, it's easier to do that than, than do these like batches, which is. Yeah, of course, especially with all, with, with all the delays you, I think that's smart what you guys are doing. It's like order the inputs that you need. So you're not waiting and having to do this again. And then you can kind of fill up on the other inputs that you can kind of pay as you go. But, um, I guess my, one of my last questions as we sort of wrap up here is, um, 
one thing I noticed when I went to your site is like, you guys are mobile only. Is that right? Like what, what, what's going on there? Um, there was like a QR code and you scan the QR code and then it's like, you have, you go to the mobile site. So why don't you tell our audience about, um, what you guys are doing there and how you're thinking about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, like Jake was kind of touching upon earlier, we're completely bootstrapped and we started this with very limited cash. So our goal is to make every dollar stretch. So instead of spending, you know, a lot of money developing out a desktop site and a mobile site, we quickly recognize that the majority of our traffic is going to be coming from TikTok and like other social media platforms via mobile. So why don't we put all of our attention instead of deferring it into the mobile experience, build out a phenomenal mobile experience, and then we can worry about the desktop at a later time. And that's what we did. So we're building out the desktop right now because we, we validated the product and now it's like kind of time to get that in place. We get a lot of questions about that, actually. I feel like people are always asking, like, why are you only mobile? But well, I, well, I feel like, yeah, I guess a lot of times people are working or doing work on their computer. They hear about you and might like look it up on the computer. But I mean, it makes sense if you're if you're thinking about conversion validation and where to optimize. It definitely makes sense to first focus on where you guys are at. So that's 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 awesome. Yeah. In hindsight, though, we probably should have just done the desktop. Like, like yeah, low key. You know, like it was it was good in theory, like on paper, but in reality, we we probably missed out on a lot of sales and just a lower conversion rate because of it. But yeah, it's you know. definitely a nice article. Yeah. Oh, you guys are yeah. If you guys are getting shout out in in articles and everything, like there's definitely conversion coming through. You know, people scrolling like LinkedIn or. Facebook even, <laughs> uh, where people are sharing articles and stuff like that, right? Um, but anyway, as, as we wrap up here, guys, just wanted to say, love having you guys on. Thought there was some really, really cool frameworks in terms of building um, and scaling up e-com businesses. I think this is really kind of the future of like how you differentiate and scale up. So just wanted to say, I think you guys are killing it. I think you guys are up to something really cool. Would love for to, you know, hear how the journey continues when you guys make it down to Miami, come hang out with us. We'll, we'll run it back on the pod in person. Um, and, and hear about how you guys are, are scaling everything up, but just want to say congrats and, um, appreciate having you guys here today. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. Appreciate it, man. It was great connecting, and it's cool. Can to we plug us real quick? Can we plug ourselves? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. That's what I was gonna ask. I was like, where for for everyone who's listening, where where can they find Jake and Oliver, and where can where can we find tabs that hasn't been shut down? Yeah, <laughs> at JKE at JKELWN on Twitter and Instagram. Tabs is just at tabs, but by the time someone listens to this, it may or may not be around. Right. So. Right. Uh, and then I'm I'm on Twitter uh, at Oliver underscore underscore B1. I know I need to get a new username, but um, it'll, it'll have to do for now. Yeah. There we there we go, guys. And hopefully next by the time this goes live, we either have some new tabs accounts on social up and live, or if not, uh, we'll we'll get that sorted out shortly. So anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Loved having you guys on, and we'll see you soon.